Welcome back to the third Chessu podcast. Listen, learn, and crush. In this podcast, we'll be taking a close look at martial arts systems, self-protection systems, different combative systems perhaps, and chess openings. And what we're going to do is look at the similarities and perhaps by seeing and understanding how different martial arts deal with different attacks and threats, we can perhaps draw on those similarities of understanding and transpose them into our chess to better understand openings. So if you're ready, let's get into this. When it comes to martial arts and self-protection systems, there's no one system that is the best. However, some may put the argument forward that a few could be tied for first place. The uniqueness of the martial arts system or the combative system is that it deals with threats differently. A skilled boxer is going to deal with a right cross punch very differently than perhaps a Shaolin Kung Fu master. And the same can be said that a karate do student would deal with the right cross punch very differently. And a Wing Chun student would absolutely deal with the right cross punch very differently. In chess, I think of the right cross punch as the king's pawn to e4. It's just a hard strike right out of the gate. And different chess openings take on different physical positions and how they deal with that threat or position that white has taken on the board. And just like with martial arts and combative self-protection systems, some will be more graceful than others, some will be more defensive, and of course some will be more aggressive. And chess openings are the mirror image of that on the board. And in current times with mixed martial arts, you see someone that is new, that arrives with a different speed, timing, or technique, and they take everybody by surprise, and sometimes they make a championship run, and sometimes they take it, and sometimes they hold on to it for a while. But when you distill things down in martial arts and combative systems, etc., you see that there's only so many ways you can throw an educated strike. And the same goes for an educated kick. And by educated, I mean there's only so many efficient, smart ways to throw a punch without injuring your hand, wrist, shoulder, etc. And when you master those basics with whatever martial art or combative system you're studying, if it's a good system, you'll graduate into their intermediate and advanced techniques. And those intermediate and advanced techniques are going to be all based off of the foundation of the basic techniques. I think that people are turned off for the word basic techniques because it seems simple. But really, it's just a good descriptive word for what you're doing. And a good measuring point of understanding of where you're going to go and how you're going to get there. If a student finds himself a good dojo or a good camp, school, and so on, and he gets to really work and drill those advanced techniques, their speed, timing, and personal creativity will start to reveal itself. And if the athleticism is there, 
perhaps the individual will start to make a name for him or herself. But that takes time. In fact, it could take a decade or more to get there. It's quite the commitment. And those that persevere and are disciplined enough to stay with the art, then they get to experience an imprinting on themselves. And this is something that generally good martial artists and people with good intentions who are even well experienced with combative self-protection systems generally will echo a, a calmness and peace. Not always, but my experience has been definitely generally. The measure that everyone goes by is the black belt. And I have a quick story regarding the the origins of the colored belt ranking system that the West had adopted. I'll say this before I share the story. If it's incorrect, I apologize ahead of time. It's just the story that I was told, and it makes sense. Perhaps it was just a tall tale, though. Nonetheless. Apparently, in Okinawa, Japan, the students of Gojuru Karate-do, translation, the hard and soft way, the students would have a patch of grass that they would train on exclusively just for themselves. As I understand it, the dogi, or just now shortened to gi, uniform would be allowed to be washed. However, they didn't want the students to wash the belts as allegedly they seen that as an offense of, of washing the knowledge out of the belt that you have put into it. The Japanese were all about sweat equity, and the belt was the visual representation of how much time one had been studying the art. You see, in Western martial arts systems that use the colored belt ranking, goes something like white, yellow, orange, green, blue, sometimes purple, brown, black, and then there's stripes among them, etc. Sometimes there's a red belt or sash. But the history of that is apparently all of the original belts were white. The the pants, the, the coat, the uniform itself, everything was white. And when they start out training, that white belt will start to stain a little yellow and then over time it was stained green from the grass and as they wore that personal patch of soil that they trained on, as they wore that down, eventually there would be no more grass or very little and just soil and that would turn the belt the color brown and over time, a long time, that belt is brown and then over years the top layer of that soil is worn down into the dark earth and that is what stains the belt black and is that time in that somebody has put that is to be represented and to be shown as an honorable disciplined student of the art itself so in the west they just adopted that colored ranking system as the graduation system of knowledge and time that has been spent with the art and or system. And that's my story. I hope you liked it. 
Okay, moving on. Let's take a look at a couple of examples of how someone would deal with the right cross punch. And why I'm using that as an example is because my education and experience working with different police and military, the statistics that they based a lot of their training off of suggested that in conflicts, unarmed conflicts, the right cross punch has around a 90% chance that it is going to be thrown and thrown early. The right cross punch is very simple to master the basics of proper alignment of the knuckles, wrist, elbow, shoulder, engagement of your back muscles, pivoting on your toe, etc. All that stuff can come very fast and easy. That said, let's take a look at how perhaps a boxer would deal with a right cross punch. One option is the boxer might cover with his left hand to his ear, elbow bracing in, protecting his ribs, but a little bit more fluid in the movement as they would swivel and duck under and perhaps land an uppercut strike. Essentially what the boxer is doing is challenging the opponent in the center and striking hard first. We see that in chess all the time. If the boxer was in a good position after the strike landed or perhaps it was evaded, it's depending on the physical position of the boxer how they may defend or fire another strike of their own. The same is with chess. Simply development and position equal what attack options we're generating. And this is going to be caused by how we're taking the initiative and, and or dealing with threats. A jiu-jitsu fighter perhaps would do something where they would slip underneath the punch, clinch the body, and in a self-protection scenario, they would dump and release the body, and perhaps in a more aggressive, maybe a tournament scenario, they may be able to turn that right cross punch into where the individual throwing that punch is now on their back with their arm laced around their head in an arm triangle with an extreme amount of compression on their neck. In life, if that position was held, it would be a lethal position. And in chess, that's checkmate. With Brazilian jiu-jitsu, the basics that they're taught, among many, many things, is distance management. And they get to control where the fight is going to take place. That is their mindset. That is how they are trained. And it leads to many, many victories for the Brazilian jiu-jitsu camps, quite obviously. It's the effectiveness, in my opinion, and of course, among other things, but the effectiveness of managing that distance and then knowing the perfect time to grapple and then apply technique and so on and so forth. In chess, this is one of the basic principles as well. Managing that three-dimensional space, time, distance, etc. has to be done. It just has to be. Martial arts and self-protection systems are doing the same thing. We're managing that three-dimensional time and space just in different ways. Carrying on, in a self-protection system, 
some students are taught to defang the snake. And defanging of the snake, at least the techniques that I was exposed to, are attacks against the metacarpals of the hand. Keep in mind that if it's a good school, they'll know how to drill the physical techniques into the student. And as time goes on, that becomes an imprint. Another way to think of the imprinting could be the, it becomes instinct. Your reactions aren't so much that you're thinking, it's that you've drilled the techniques over years properly. So when a tactical self-protection student is facing a right cross punch, they would manage the space, of course, take their left hand, and in a swatting, knocking, slash swinging type motion, they take their hand that is formed into a fist and they knock and wrap across the back of the metacarpals of the striking hand. And this has a good chance of success of causing some involuntary responses. One such response is that the hand will become numb and be in pain if you, the opponent tries to compress it back into a fist. In some scenarios, the students are taught if that was a edged weapon or a stick or a pipe and it was being swung at the individual, that particular strike would cause the hand to spring open and the weapon would be released from the grip of the attacker. Of course, I shouldn't have to say this, but please do not try any of these techniques at home, on yourselves, or others. Okay, just had to get that out there. So after such a quick strike that is leaving an impact, to me that reminds me of those early queen development moves that slap you with check and recover the center pawn or any other one of those examples where a piece is captured early in the opening that is undefended. And of course, in the tactical self-protection point of view, the individual who just had his or her hand wrapped upon, they have to reset. They have to go back, but they have this injury, although temporary, like most things in chess, things are not permanent, they're temporary. And after such a position on the chessboard, we see that obviously a center pawn in this example could be removed. So white in this example would be resetting their attack. And perhaps the black player is hoping to take some of the uh, aggression out of the white player. In martial arts, when a higher skilled individual is competing with someone who is not as complexly trained as the other, there will generally be a feeling out process nonetheless. Our highly trained martial artists will be observing the stance and movement and coordination of their opponent. And they will be looking for confirmation of is the individual playing possum? Are they simply not sure what they should be doing and leaving themselves exposed Eventually, our highly trained individual is going to test 
the training of his or her opponent and based off of those results that will help decide just how aggressive they may become with not too much but enough chest training under your belt perhaps an opening or two you will identify quickly when somebody is playing a little off script from classical strong openings nonetheless there will be a short feeling out process before you decide just how aggressive your attack may become and how fast the reason you need to learn chess openings is because you need to understand what fighting style your opponent is posturing and perhaps what your opponent is looking to achieve and even deeper having the understanding of chess openings to a level where you can understand how those achievements can actually be achieved and that leads to the understanding of what some of the main motifs your opponent's fighting style brings to the table yes you must know and understand a variety of chess openings yourself however you don't have to know them all in fact the more time you spend sampling different openings would translate into less time perfecting what you may be currently working on as there are only so many hours in a day and only so much undistracted time that can be invested after all there are excellent options to select from regarding well-rounded martial arts systems and these systems vary greatly in their strengths and weaknesses just as in chess openings they have their strengths and weaknesses as well as mentioned it comes down to the quality of time that you have spent learning and assimilating these lessons internally and expressing them in particular while under pressure so in choosing a strong chess opening to study and learn this is equal to the beginning and study of a new martial art the commitment and discipline are identical you have to want to learn and it is the intent and choice that is all yours let's take a look at a special martial art Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do translates to way of the intercepting fist at the center we have a counter-striking system suited for the black pieces in my opinion I believe Bruce Lee wanted his students to know that if someone was going to attack you then here is a system of how you should react regardless of the skill level of the attacker and in chess we are looking for the same system one way or another Bruce Lee would teach his students not to overcompensate in their approach in chess this is overextension perhaps another way to look at it is pushing your pawns down the battlefield before your minor pieces even are deployed from their original position moving on Bruce would instruct his students not to cross their center line in chess this could be compared to slow development resulting in blocking in your own pieces or of course doubling your pawns in Jeet Kune Do and Wing Chun both systems have pinning techniques where they would pin the arm to the body if only for a moment but I'm sure I don't need to illustrate a chess pin to you now this next one may interest you when speaking about the principles of attack and defense in traditional martial arts there are many systems that are based off of a straightforward approach if someone throws a single punch 
there would be a block to that specific punch and a follow-up strike, a kind of one-two system. And yes, these systems are very effective in their own right. And chess has the same idea with some openings. Wing Chun, however, in brief, had developed a system that strikes and defends at the same time. And we see this in chess all the time. Discovered checks and forks come to mind. I mentioned Wing Chun because Bruce Lee was classically trained by Yip Man when he was a child. And when he moved to San Francisco, he started to apply his teachings... However, he wanted to augment it for himself. And here's what Bruce Lee had created. With Jeet Kune Do, Bruce had figured out a way to strike his opponent before his opponent could land their target. Bruce figured out how to intercept the physical attack with an educated and repeatable approach. And at the highest level of understanding of Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do system, he wanted his students to eventually obtain the goal of intercepting the intentions of the attacker. And in my opinion, this is the target of all levels of chess for all players who take the game slash discipline seriously. To intercept the attack of your opponent and to land your own attack at the same time. Well, in warfare, this is a surprise attack. They're designed to catch the opponent off guard and causing them to react to the surprise attack and perhaps begin to make mistakes or even blunder. We can distill things down to the intent and understanding the intentions of the attacker or the defender, depending on your point of view. Keeping in mind that offense has defense and defense has offense, the yin and yang symbol comes to mind. Understanding the intention of an attacker will give us the reaction response we need. The more chess openings you know and even further understand, the better you can survive. When someone who is skilled at attacking, their intentions can be observed as their understanding of how well they will be able to commit to the attack. Additionally, when we are able to pressure test our opponent, this should give us a better understanding of just how experienced our opponent is. We can only understand the quality of an attack if we have the similar knowledge and or experience that we have learned ourselves that arise from chess study, including listening to this mind-weaponizing podcast. Here's a quick example. If a child was to be swinging a sharp-pointed stick violently around others... What helps us understand the truth to the position is, what are the intentions of the alleged attacker? In this case, the child. Is the child attacking somebody? And what this alludes us to next is the attacker themselves may not understand the threats that they are generating and or displaying. Furthermore, we may not have a confirmation of intentions until further action is observed. In chess, this may cost us such things as time, space, development, and or all the above and so on. So does the child that is swinging the stick target and select someone to hit with it? Or does the situation evolve naturally where the child has no ill intention and toss the stick away purposely trying to avoid others? Now if we switch this scenario from a child to an adult, 
the situation would become a lot more serious. And that's because we're going to assume that that individual has had some experience to know better and to be aware of the threats that they are generating. And when we are dealing with people who are generating threats, we need to understand the intention of those threats as fast as we can so that we can respond to those threats correctly without overextension, for example, which could lead to a blunder. So back to Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do. At the highest level of Jeet Kune Do, Bruce Lee would have his students intercepting those attacks before they were landing their target because his students would have such an advanced understanding of what attacks can come from where by what body posture, how the individual perhaps was walking, how the hips were turned to the side so they're going to be generating power perhaps for a sucker punch. The list of examples are endless. The point is, chess, we want to do the same thing. We want to intercept our opponent's attack well before it can even become established. And a solid chess opening serves as the base foundation for you to begin that approach. All right, so this concludes the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I invite you to join us on the next one. Thank you, and take care. Chessu, listen, learn, and crush.